Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the political episode of the Eastern Border. We just released uh, our Siberian Exploration one, and you'll get our final done thing of the Western Siberia at the next week, but I just needed to look at Khabarovsk, which I didn't, because things just kept evolving and happening and happening and happening and happening onwards and onwards, and that even New York Times and all the political articles and even the Western press started talking about it, and it got out of hand, but it's still going on, and there are some facts that haven't been mentioned. And yeah, I just wanted to make a nice little overview of what had happened after it would be over, but it seems like um, that won't be possible so soon, because, <laughs> you know, I like to wait a bit and not rush in. And in case you don't know, there is a town called Khabarovsk in Russia's far, far east. It used to be the region's capital until... They moved it to Vladivostok, which people of Khabarovsk were very angry about. And uh, Khabarovsk is a city of 600,000 people. It's pretty large for the area. And they have been protesting, protesting since July 11th at this point. It's been going on for weeks, and it's been crazy. You see, what happened was that federal agents arrested the governor of the whole Khabarovsk region on July the 9th and promptly flew him to Moscow, where he was kind of put on to charges that he organized violence, including several contract killings, against business rivals in 2004 and 2005. The case is based on testimony from Sergei Furgals, the uh, governor's alleged accomplices in the murders who were arrested earlier. On July the 10th, a Moscow court placed Governor Furgal in pretrial detention until at least September the 9th, while the investigators built their case. And their case is built on, like, Weird grounds, since back then, Far East of Russia is kind of like Wild West of America, in the sense that in the 90s it was all crazy, and everyone who was anyone, even if you had like a completely honest business, you had to shake hands and, and meet and greet with the organized crime. But the trick is, the people don't seem to care that much, even if he is guilty, and their demands have been weird. But it all started on July 11th, where these people just went out and started protesting against the arrest of their governor. And it was the biggest public assembly of its kind in the region's history. And I'm going to go through the events as they have happened and some interesting facts about what's going on now. And we are definitely going to have to uh, 
take a bit of a bigger look at this later on as well, because, wow, even though everyone thought these protests would die down, that really hasn't happened. So, they kind of used Telegram and other social media to organize this, and it was just spontaneous, and the city's authorities tried to prevent the demonstration by fencing off Habatov's main square, where the organizers planned to stage the protest under the pretext that the ghetto was being disinfected. But this kind of failed because the demonstrators just removed the fence and went in. And the demonstration began around noon, local time, and uh, journalists at their local Habatovsk site estimate that tens of thousands of protesters reached the city's center by the start of the rally. It was just crazy because this possibly exceeded anything else. It was the protest of, of basically somewhere between 30,000 and 60,000 people assembled there and the population of just over 600,000 people. It was, it was just crazy. It's just about 10% of this. And the crowd was so large that in the end, the police let the demonstration go ahead and there were zero reported arrests and everyone was just, just going crazy. And the region's interior ministry obviously later claimed that no more than 12,000 people demonstrated through the Khabarovsk region, but that was obviously falsehood because, yeah, that was just what happened there. And the protesters not only marched through the city's center blocking traffic, but also they just passed through these fences and everything, and they carried signs that read freedom for Furgal, and I, we, Sergei Furgal, and, well, they chanted slogans like freedom, and Moscow get out, and Far East is ours, and Putin is a thief. And there were other protests and everything, and it was quite crazy, and it was illegal. So, at one point, this protest just happened. It happened on, on a Thursday, and then they came out again on the weekend. And then they just kept coming out every time something happened there. Because what happened was that, at one point, you know, uh, people started getting interested, and Putin's reaction has been like very, very muted about all this situation. And the Kremlin is just, just responding to all this situation. Because, as of right now, and this comes from uh, Radio Liberty, Radio Free Europe, continuing on, quote from July 18th. Mass rallies to continue to rock Russia's Far East as the backlash against the arrest of the local governor rattles the Kremlin. And again, thousands of people took part in protests across the region, including Khabarovsk, Vladivostok, Komsomolsk, Konamur, and Birbozhyan. The fresh rallies come out after tens of thousands peacefully demonstrated in the city of Khabarovsk on July the 18th, demanding the release of Khabarovsk region. And they just keep coming on. It was just crazy. And the 50-year-old Furgal belongs to a liberal democratic party of Russia, and he denies his all charges, and his supporters say they're politically motivated. Because you see, Furgal was elected governor of the Khabarovsk region, which borders China, two years ago in an upset for the longtime incumbent who represented the ruling Putin's United Russia party. And the thing is, he was elected due to Navalny's smart voting method as the most kind of reasonable opposition candidate, even though the opposition is shaky and it's, it's weird. Already, he went into the second round of elections, because in the first round, no one got over 50% of votes, so they had a second round between him and the uh, Putin's party's candidate. And he was threatened to step down, and he was told that he's gonna, you know, suffer for this eventually. But then, then he managed to win. That was his first offense against the Kremlin. Second offense was he was a smart man because he used to be a businessman before, and why people think it's politically motivated, as he started to actually do things that, you know, regional governors are supposed to do. You know, he's well known through the region by... He sold off the governor office's private yacht, 
yes, the Far East region had a private yacht before, and it, he basically prohibited everyone from taking uh, business class or private jets when flying around, and he cut down on the, their salaries, and he actually went to the people and listened to their issues, and from the parts of the region, the Sergei Furgal, as the governor, is well known for actually caring about the people and, well, just basically doing his job, which is super rare in Russia, and actually trying to improve the situation. Which drove his rating way up, and he was, he was elected when he was running that situation there. Another election happened, this time for the regional council itself, because the governor election and the council election are two separate things. And he was doing so well as a governor and was so well loved that people just decided to give him a team. So they did, and United Russia lost the region to this LDPR, Zhirinovsky's party. Yes, it's, it's Zhirinovsky's party, and crazily enough, Zhirinovsky himself is a complete weirdo, right? And, and he wants to nuke everything. But there are some really decent people from his party, so they decided, hey, we have this Furgal guy who seems to be a decent guy, and even though he was a businessman in the 90s and probably had some criminal connections, yeah, yeah, they just elected him. And then the third strike that happened was that, you know, the vote that, that wasn't happened. Again, the, the same vote for constitutional stuff. And unlike in the other regions, the governor didn't do any election fraud there. And, well, the, the turnout, even though the turnout had to be 80% and the vote for had to be, like, some 60%, turnout ended up being only 44% and it was like some 50% some for the elections due to the activities of still in opposition United Russia party, you see. So that was his third strike and there's a video circulating on YouTube where the governor is basically filming himself from his phone the discussion that he has had from a kind of federal government representative who states that this is crazy, this is an uprising because Putin took the low results for him and this public vote as kind of a rating check and turns out that people in the Habarovsk region like their governor way, way more than they like Mr. Putin. And apparently in Russia, if a local governor has a higher rating than, well, Mr. Putin, then that's a crime. And then Putin started, like, organizing and arrested him, and then the protests started, and they've been carrying on. And then, you know, no one expected this. This came just totally out of the blue, because, you know, these unsanctioned protests in Russia are, are a massive rarity. And then the interesting things started happening even further, as Zhirinovsky himself, first off, he stepped on the Ghost Duma and yelled that, well, he's gonna resign, and everyone's a crook, and he's just been the one honest governor that the region has ever had, and now they're throwing him off. But then Zhirinovsky, still being a loyal lapdog as he is, after the protests happening, because he made a massive speech and aroused everyone in, in craziness just before the protests happened. Then the protests hit, and then Zhirinovsky was again slammed out a bit, and then he kind of backtracked and said that he has nothing to do with these protests again, and that, you know, Furgal should have been, like, you know, investigated more closely and whatever. And then uh, all the massive kind of news channels in Russia started publishing out all the crimes of Furgal and how he was actually, you know, very evil. And then more journalists kind of went to this super far east uh, city, and it turns out that, yes, indeed, the people protesting there, they don't even care if their governor did something 15 years ago. Uh, they're like, well, if he, even if he did, this is still not about that, and they should have known if he really did murder 
or participate in murders back then, specifically everyone, everyone in the Russian government who used to be a businessman back then in the early 2000s and late 90s had to have some ties with the criminal authorities and everything. They're also getting shocked by the fact that wh why the court is happening in Moscow? Why is this going on there? Why isn't it, you know, being taken to court locally? They see Moscow's influence. And there are still uh, protests happening today, like going on right now, and now they're even like protesting against Moscow itself and saying that the Moscow's hands should just stay off and that Putin should resign himself. Because after all these protests started, Putin didn't know what to answer and was quite visibly shook about this and was quite, um, let's just say, stunned about this. And obviously, this is kind of crazy because, interestingly enough, Kremlin now thinks, according to sources in the Putin's administration that, who spoke with the journalists of Radio Liberty, that they've crossed the red line, these liberal Democratic Party of Russia, these nationalist outfits usually loyal to the Kremlin, and they might have even turned into real opposition, and they're now moving on to these, these mass protests. But the first reaction of Kremlin was a massive, massive mistake. Because Putin, who was just keeping silent, and not talking about the protests whatsoever, and protests were not mentioned in the news, only about how Forgal was bad, and, and then some, some local United Russia people started talking about how they're obviously organized by the Americans. Then, very recently, after the arrest of Sergei Furgal, a week and a half later, Putin dismissed, officially, Furgal from his post on July 20th, due to loss of confidence. And Kremlin thought that appointing someone else from the Liberal Democratic Party as the Khabarovsk territory's acting head would do fine, just fine and would stop the protests. And this guy was Mikhail Dektirev, and I'm going to talk about him, and he um, accepted without hesitation, and, and he flew off to the region immediately. But there's a little problem with Dektirev, because this appointment basically only enraged the protests even more, which is why they are screaming all the anti-Moscow slogans at this given point. And Dektirev is so interesting that, let's talk about him, because I've summarized the protests a bit, but we'll, we'll get back to the, all the craziness that's happening there, because... Well, as soon as someone writes anything about it, new weird stuff comes out. But okay, Dektirev. And why he's considered to be a massive slap in the face, and why the protest is slowly moving away from being just about Furgal to something bigger. That I have warned you about previously. Hey guys, Annette here. I hope you are enjoying our new episode of The Eastern Border. As always, a big thank you to all of our Patreons. The show would not be possible without your help. If you are not a Patreon and would like to become one, head over to the Eastern Border page on Patreon.com. Please remember to also follow us on our social media, like Twitter, where we are known as Eastern underscore Border, and on our Facebook page. We also have a Discord server, so if you're interested in that, find the link in the description of this podcast. That's it for now. See you online. This podcast brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. So, after 10 days, 10 days of sustained demonstrations, I put in appointed state Duma deputy from the Liberal Democratic Party, Mikhail Degretyev. And he is a favorite of LDPR leader Vladimir Zhirinovsky. Degretyev had no connection to Khabarovsk territory prior to July 20, 2020. The 39-year-old grew up in a family of doctors in Russia's southwestern city of Samara. He began his political career there. At the age of 20, he led the Samara region's branch of the pro-Kremlin youth movement, Yushchevmistye, walking together. After which he joined United Russia and its youth wing, now known as the Youth Guard of United Russia. And uh, yeah, at the age of 22, he became a deputy in the Samara City Duma, which is totally, totally not then. And um, Digretyev recalled an interview to Lentaru, quote, We had t-shirts with Putin on them. I was so happy about it, being in that organization. It was cool for me. After all, a new young president had come in, an athletic one. I considered it an honor to be in that organization. But I joined United Russia because I was working as an engineer, and the CEO gathered everyone together and said we had to join. I didn't resist because Putin supported the party, and I didn't have any prejudices against the president, not then, not now. I stayed there for two years, and they tried to remove me twice. But in 2005, I met Vladimir Zhirinovsky at the train station. My whole life, I had turned up the volume on the television when he spoke, so I went over to introduce myself. And so forth. And uh, interestingly enough, there's a picture of him going to a public banya, to a sauna, with Zhirinovsky, where Zhirinovsky, being a, a man in his 60s, like to hang out with young people in their early 20s and, and going to saunas with them and inspecting their teeth and their health and making um, lewd jokes on that. And that's totally not weird, in a way, for a politician to do that and be publicly very open about all this stuff and being a massive, massive homophobe at the same time. Yeah, um, carrying on. That said, those familiar with Degretyev claim that he switched from the United Russia to the LDPR because his career growth within the ruling party was limited. He wasn't allowed to head the local branch of United Russia's youth wing and had no opportunity to move into any position higher than municipal lawmaker. But as the member of the LDPR, Tigretev, with the help of the leadership of the large uh, local holding company Volga Promgaz, immediately became not only the head of the local branch, but also became the LDPR leader, Vladimir Zhirinovsky's aide in the Samara region. And when journalists asked Degatev's friends how he became so close to Zhirinovsky, uh, he basically, they gave vague replies. There was an opportunity for upward mobility. 
he took advantage of it. Two years later, Yegretyev was elected as the Samara Region Duma deputy from the LDPR. He simultaneously headed the party's regional branch. In 2011, at the age of 30, he moved to Moscow and became a state Duma deputy. He worked as a deputy chairman of the State Duma Science Committee until uh, his re-election in 2016, at which point he led the Committee of Tourism and Sport. We're going slowly to the crazy. The crazy is coming. While part of the State Duma, Degretiev was also working on the LDPR's image and became responsible for election campaigns. He began working closely with the Putin's administration on this basis, and source close to the Kremlin, Degretiev noted. Last year he went through the quote-unquote School for Governors, a Kremlin and Russian Presidential Academy of National Economy and Public Administration program for training a personal reserve. And Degretiev had competed in mayoral elections three times in his career. In 2006, he ran for mayor of his hometown Samara and won 1.71% of the vote. In Moscow's 2013 mayoral elections, he came in fifth out of six candidates with 2.86%. He fared slightly better in the capital's 2018 mayoral elections, where he came in fourth place out of five with 6.72% of the vote. And this guy, you know, looks like a career politician moving up, using opportunities and going on, yeah, you know, to be uh, Kremlin's basically state-appointed, very legitimate dude who's sent there on a rebellious town that wants Furgal back, who has actually enjoyed some autonomy and, and is protesting for, for, like, all the time now, and he's just continuously still up in arms for two weeks and the protests don't seem to die down, it's becoming a tradition for them, and every time Kremlin makes a mistake, they just rise up again. Okay, so, if you're Mr. Putin, and you're a leader of, um, of a country, and you have this rebellious town, and you know you've done goofed, and you're doing your own political activities, whom do you send? They thought that this guy, as he, he's also from LDPR, the same party as Furgal was from, you know, they, they just calm down, right? Same party, right? Well, um, uh, wrong, and... Here comes the part that's not on New York Times, because Degretiev is a well-known name uh, for people who follow Russian news closer, closer level, because... Oh boy, this guy's famous. Among his craziest stuff, the things that he's been uh, agitating for on Gosduma had uh, proposed many laws and initiatives and proposals, none of which have been adopted, mind you. You can, like, instantly tell that he's buddies with Zhirinovsky, okay? Zhirinovsky's crazy, but this guy... Let's see now. He suggested banning the circulation of the United States dollar in Russia, stating that it only corrupts the nation and uh, there might be following devices implanted in it. He wanted to prohibit gay people from giving blood donations, because what if they will turn other people gay? He introduced technical standards for the images of Ted Moroz, Russia's version of Santa Claus, and Snegurochka, his snowmaiden sidekick, because he hated the Santa Claus image and says that it corrupts the traditional, because in Russia he dresses up in blue and they have their own thing, but, you know, modern-day modern Western Santa Claus has become popular, and that destroys Russian culture, according to Degretiev. He said that re Kremlin should be repainted white, as it was originally, because he's also a, a well, monarchist and a very weird ultra-nationalist. This is proven by his another proposal where he stated that Russia's imperial flag should be reinstated over the tricolor of democracy right now. Why? Because obviously Russia's imperial flag would be much better. 
He also stated that there should be a ban of the sale of alcoholic beverages for one day per year. He also stated that the, a cool collection of official swear words should be created. Yes, the approved swear word collection. I am not making any of this up. This is what he has been doing as a state Duma guy. During the 2013 mayoral campaign, Degrechev was remembered for his proposal of offering women time off during their periods. And, uh, yeah, his crazy visit to Soda with Zhiridovsky that I spoke about earlier, where he and other young men hung out with Zhiridovsky and his 60-something buddies, and he checked on their teeth and whatnot. He also doesn't hide his utterly xenophobic views. I'm gonna quote for him now. I'm gonna quote what he said in 2013. Oh boy. Quote. If Muslims or Jews want to conduct rituals in their offices, no one will forbid them. Let the atheists, pederasts, and other minorities with mind-numbing conversations about their rights sit in their unconsecrated apartments and offices and keep their heads down. Let them exercise their civil rights in the elections. My advice to them is to get used to being the minority. That is what they are, and that's what they'll always be. In Russia, there will never be an aggressive minority that dictates its will to the majority, like in Europe. Degretev was also planning to take a commercial space flight next year. Quote, We have a private company, Cosmokurs, which is supported by Roscosmos, Russia's state space corporation. I turned up as the first cosmonaut. It will be a small flight in 2021, he said. Until recently, Degretev dreamed of becoming the head of Roscosmos. He's a member of the corporation's community board. If we talk about what I would like to do now, then my dream job is simple, to head Roscosmos. I want to head Roscosmos. I'm a space system engineer, he said in an interview with Life magazine. Earlier, Degretev suggested naming a cosmodrome after a contemporary Russian rapper. And this is just madness. This guy is a very organized career politician who's managed to get on Zhirinovsky's good side. And he's doing it all completely according to Zhirinovsky's total madness, spew-out nonsense and insanity program. The problem is that if you look at his achievements and if you look at his statements, then you understand that that's a career politician who knows that his career up in the LDPR political party of Zhirinovsky is just to pretend to be a complete and utter nonsensical crazy person and an idiot and the more nonsense he spouts, the better it'll go for him. And this guy was now appointed by Putin as the governor of the Habarovsk region, which is up in arms, as of right now, for two weeks, due to their loss of their actual competent governor. And this is just stupid. Obviously, things might just go even crazier and wilder than before, because things just are happening. And I don't know how this will end, because this has left Kremlin freaked out and without any kind of ideas of what to do. Major political blunders have happened, the protests are still going on, and I'm gonna wait until uh, middle of next month to kind of finish up this story uh, and to go on a more deeper dive on this, because uh, I'm, I'm recording this after a very research-heavy historical episode. But yeah, it's, it's madness, and... A lot of political analysts are, are, are stating that this will die down, and they've been saying that for the past two weeks, and it hasn't died down. And there's kind of signs of it maybe even spreading further. At any rate, the far east of Russia, which had been colonized, and this is just 
kind of fitting that we speak about this colonization effort just before, which is why these episodes come together. It's just fitting that you look at all this situation and kind of take it into perspective. Anyway, like I said, next week wrapping up the Siberia, West Siberia part, gonna move to East Siberia and Alaska then. And gonna take a look at how this utter madness turns out. Thank you for listening, and do свидания, товарищ. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.